1: <laughs> Hello and welcome to the show. I'm V Bianca. I'm Eric Murphy. This is Skeptic Generation. And, and we, we need, need to talk. talk. Hi, Eric.
2: Hey, V. How's it going?
1: Going good. How are you?
2: I'm doing really well. Um, so we had some comments over the last week. Um, my voice was apparently too bassy. It was, um, it, was, it was difficult to listen to. So I've EQ'd myself and I'm hoping that um, it sounds a little bit better today. Um, if it's still kind of making everything rumble and difficult to listen to, please let me know because I'm, I'm doing my best. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a delicate, it's a delicate balance, and we don't know if we got it right until you give us feedback. Yeah, or preferably I, don't, because then we know that it's correct. If nobody's giving us feedback on the audio, we're golden.
2: True enough, <laughs> um, but just so you know, if uh, some people do accuse me of boosting the bass, I actually have a huge. I'm, I'm I'm pushing down the bass on my voice quite a bit. Um, so, mm-mm. anyway.
1: <laughs> um, so, a uh, couple of things before we get started. Uh, first, this is the last weekend for you to buy our January merch at a discounted price. So, mm-hmm. if you want to throw that up there. Yes, I do. Um, we are giving everything $2 off to celebrate season two and the start of 2022. That goes away in February, so everything will be bumped up a couple of bucks. Still gonna be very affordable, but you know if you wanna save a little bit, now's the time to do that. You can find those links um, directly on our uh, YouTube page, which is mm-hmm. super fun. Um, also, we are excited. We, and by we, I mean me, because hopefully we are next week, um, we're gonna be releasing a collab with somebody. Yeah. I am so excited about this. I was asked to participate in a video. Um, it's very different than anything I've done before, very different than anything the other content creator has done before. Um, but we're both really passionate about it, really excited about it, and we had to record the whole damn thing twice. <laughs> So hopefully, if it passes all copyright checks and everything that should be out first week of February, Um, I will let y'all know as soon as I know, and that will be posted in the community tab. Uh, So definitely keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Super excited. (laughs) Um, And then finally, I did want to make a note. Uh, Last week, we got a troll caller. And honestly, you guys, be patient with us. The They change their voices. If we're, if we're hearing that somebody might be like modulating their voice or using a voice changer, that's a big red flag and we might not even let them on. But there are always gonna be people who slip through. The second we realize it, we're gonna get rid of them. If you're trolling, don't like, nobody likes it. It's not funny and you just kind of look stupid. So meh. We'll we'll do our best to weed them out today if they are in fact here.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. If if you like, if you're not wanting to use your name when you call in, that's totally understandable. You may have your own reasons, and we can support that. Um, but yeah, going so far as to modulate your voice is kind of weird.
1: A little bit strange. Um, okay, so just a shout out there. Apologies if one gets through; they will be summarily dismissed. Um, and if you're thinking about it, mm, don't go jerk off by yourself instead. Um, all right. So before we get started, call the show at 585-526-8774. That's 585-LEMURF. Or you can contact us using our tiny link, tiny.cc slash call SG. Both of those bump you right over to our call screeners um, and they will take, take care of you and get you set up.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um. And as always, or oh, do you want to do the no? Okay.
1: I don't know what you're doing.
2: Sure. As always, this show is brought to you by you. Your support is <laughs> what keeps us going. Um, we, we've been, uh, well... People have been tightening their belts lately, and it's totally understandable. It's the beginning of, the, uh, of a new year, and uh, we totally support it. Uh, there are people who have sent us messages saying, hey, I've had to pull my Patreon, um, not because I don't support you guys, but because I just can't afford it. And that is totally understandable. It's totally okay. If you like what we do and you want to support us, there are other ways that you can, like hitting the subscribe button, hitting the subscribe button, hitting the like button, um, hitting the bell.
1: You want to throw out the Patreon page?
2: I will, just not yet, no. I <laughs> okay. want them to see me <laughs> um, hitting the bell um, to get notified when we put out new videos. Uh, those are all ways that the algorithm can get to see us and we can get out to more people. Um, and that really does help if you do uh, wanna support us or if you're just like, you know what, screw that, I just don't wanna get the the uh, ads. Um, we don't choose the ads, we don't put them in. We can either opt yes, we want to you know, monetize or no. Um, but if you're just tired of it and you want to get a, an ad-free version of this uh, stream, or if you want to get ad-free versions of the podcast, uh, you can go to Patreon.com/skepticgeneration. That's Patreon.com/skepticgeneration. Uh, there, we do we, we put out those ad-free versions. We also do different perks for different levels. Um, people have asked us, you know, well, you know, one of the things we do is we'll put your name in the end credits as. You know, one of the people who helps make this show happen. Um, we do that once a month because things fluctuate throughout the month. And so if you have become a patron this month, you can expect your name in the credits next episode. Um, let me see. Is there anything else?
1: I don't think so. I think we can jump into calls. Do we have Chris all lined up?
2: Uh, well, we can take Chris. I don't have their lower third because I have not typed it in yet, but we can take them. <laughs>
1: All right. Chris in Connecticut, welcome to the show. You're talk, you are know, You want to talk a little bit about philosophical conversations today?
3: Yeah. Hi, guys. Hi. Um, so, yeah, long time no talk. Um, I don't <laughs> know if you guys remember me. I think I called in like when the show was kind of brand new. And we were talking a little bit about my crazy evangelical boss. Um,
1: I remember you. So, yeah. Quick,
3: yeah. So happy update on that. I just, um, set my defense date. So in April I will officially be Dr. Chris.
1: Nice. So Congratulations. To Yay. Thank you. Um, yeah.
3: And I guess for the topic today, there was just some um, listening to you and the kind of some of the other call-in shows like this last couple of weeks, I've been noticing this like theme mm-hmm. that seems to be happening where, you know, the apologists will kind of call in, points to some like fact in reality, and then make this like ontological model that explains it, but then never really question that ontological explanation. Right? They just kind of think that it's as clear as like, if you go outside, you can see the sky is blue. Right, right. <laughs> and, Look at the trees. Yeah. 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 And uh, so like, um, you know, some examples, I, I remember, like, the C.S. Lewis guy who was talking about, like, oh, like, what, do you think the cell is not complex? Or, you know, like, they move the conversation from looking at, well, what is the ontological reason for these facts we're describing and instead try to just change the conversation into understanding why you don't just obviously see that they're correct. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, like, how do you like cut through the fat with that to actually get them to go back to like the real kind of meat of the conversation? Because I don't, you don't think you can move forward like, the other way.
1: Right, right. I think, honestly, this is really fun that you called in about this topic because Eric and I were just talking about kind of what comes first when building a worldview. Is it? ontology, is it epistemology, is it axiology, where do we begin in that building of a worldview and that might actually end up being our next versus conversation. I have some thoughts, but Eric looked like he wanted to jump in real fast. So Eric, go for it.
2: Sure. Um, So first thing that I wanted to say is actually this really great time to kind of address one of the big things that get in the way of these kinds of conversations. And that is the difference between um, an honest and dishonest interlocutor and an honest and dishonest tactic. So I think that there are lots and lots of believers who will who will kind of do that. Right. They'll 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 bring up an, an argument and then they'll shift into kind of, well, why don't you believe instead of talking about the argument or you know things like that. I think that the tactic itself does not lend itself to solving any of the problems or having a meaningful discussion. So I would say it's a dishonest tactic, but I, that doesn't mean that the interlocutor, the person who's giving that tactic, recognizes that it doesn't mean that they know it and it doesn't mean that they're trying to do that purposefully to mislead you and so the first thing to do is kind of recognize that and if you can find ways to um go hey you know what i understand you i i I hear you um but that's actually a conversation that's a little bit different from what we're specifically talking about so i'm happy to talk to you about one of them or whichever one you want to talk about but let's make sure that we're on the same page you know what i mean Um, Often that will clear it up. I've seen lots and lots of possibly great discussions devolve into yelling matches because no one was willing to do that one step. And that could have been all all the difference they needed to move forward and have a productive discussion
3: Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
0: Um, yeah,
1: I, I mean, there's there there are different there there's a there's a specific reason that I choose to talk about why we disagree as opposed to what we disagree on. First of all, I think it's just more interesting. I think that I am more fascinated by how people come up with their beliefs than I am in the beliefs themselves, especially because. While the beliefs can vary from person to person, the tactics that are used to come to those beliefs are actually fairly straightforward and, and similar across the board. So, for example, uh, if somebody were to call in and say, well, I believe that God exists, there is, a, there is the obvious tactic, well, which God? You know, I don't believe God exists and talk about it in those ontological terms. But there's also the option of saying, hey, uh, how do you know that? And to me, that's the more interesting conversation. And it's the one that gets more out of the other person because otherwise it just becomes kind of banging your head against the wall where one person's saying there is a thing and the other person is saying there isn't. And there's really very few ways to determine who is correct without moving into how we know things and, and the kinds of, of evidence that we accept as compelling. And so a lot of the time, if you move people away from trying to defend that a thing exists or that a thing is real, that's where all of their tension is bound up. That's where all of the conflict lives. And if you want to get into that conflict, that's where you go. But if you want to have a larger conversation and actually address the the core issue there, moving them away from that and into a conversation around, what do you consider to be good evidence about a thing? Or you know, could this be stemming from past uh, experiences or or education or indoctrination and and building in that direction ends up addressing the initial question a lot better and without all of the unnecessary conflict. So that's kind of where I come at that from. But again, that's just me. Um, What are your thoughts, Chris?
4: Yeah,
3: I think, you know, I agree with the majority of what, both of you had said, I guess it's just kind of difficult to, you know, steer the conversation more into that philosophy realm, especially since most people, you know, like I never had a philosophy course in my life until like I went to a Catholic college. Like, mm-hmm. so like there's, like there's not a lot of, I guess, like education even around the like use of just some of these words or like the actual structure of how yeah. to go into those. Conversations, so it's kind of difficult. Like, even when you're trying to make the point to get them to realize, like I'm not, I'm not saying the cell is that complex. I'm saying that that doesn't necessarily mean it was made by a mind.
1: Right? Exactly. Right. Exactly. Oh. That's a really good point, and I think that there's a there's a bad way to do that as well, right? Um, the reason that I focus on philosophy and not science. Um, at least not in the, the way that I would want to in terms of uh, refuting creationists or refuting uh, people against reproductive rights, that kind of thing, is because I know that that's not what I am educated in and I don't wanna speak into a subject that I don't know very well because that's just a recipe for disaster later on. So I keep it in the philosophical realm because that's where I'm comfortable and that's where I feel like I have things to offer. But there are some really amazing people out there. Um, Student Dr. Ben is starting a channel and he is a med student who is addressing a lot of these issues from the scientific side of things. Um, Katie Montgomery is a, a trans activist who talks a lot about the biology behind all of that. So there are definitely people who I would point to if somebody was like, give me a scientific reason why creationism is wrong. Like five, five reasons, five ways to debunk this. I'm going to go push them towards Vice Trino, you know, um, but yeah. for That's us. really
3: interesting. Uh, this us talk like my last thing. I yeah. know you guys have other callers, but, like, it's kind of interesting that you brought up, you know, trying to have the conversation from, like, where you're most knowledgeable or most, you know, comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I actually would love to get Eric's uh, opinion on this because he, he was talking a little bit about, like, dishonest versus honest interlocutors, where, in my experience, because, like, I do have more of a science background... And I try to do kind of exactly what you're saying. Then all of a sudden, they'll realize, oh, okay, like you have like some level of education on the subject. Let's move to history. Let's talk about that yeah. bit from that angle. Or mm-hmm. How you? And well, would and, you say that that is more of like a you know, yeah, more of a dishonest tactic, or how would you look at that?
2: Sure. Well, um, I, I again, I, I don't think that it's a dishonest person necessarily. Um, but yeah, I would say the the tactic itself is not a good one. Um, but I also kind of understand it. Like when I'm going through and I'm 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 working on some philosophical idea, um, I throw everything, including the kitchen sink, at it. I am just trying to see if I can falsify that you know that that premise so that I can move forward. And so if you know I put myself in those shoes and I'm having a discussion with somebody about biology and my entire premise there is. You know the mystery of biology means that you know God did it, and I talk to somebody who is well versed in biology, and they go, "Well, no, this is the case." Oh, well, what about all of these other things? You know, it, you know, if 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 you come across something that all of a sudden fits that, you're like, "Okay, well, what else?" I think that the best thing to do moving forward from there is to hold on the topic for just a little bit longer. It's uncomfortable, but say. Actually, you were talking about biology. I'm happy to talk about history, but you brought up a point about biology. I answered that. Do you still think that biology holds this key that you were talking about? If so, why? And if not, then are you going to continue using this specific argument in the future? You know, it, it, because I've seen it in debates, I've seen it in one on one discussions, and I've seen it on shows. If Someone is calling in or, you know, even if they're on this side of the camera, if you say something really important, but you keep talking, that important thing is going to get lost. You know, you don't get the chance to hammer it home. And if it's really a big deal, it deserves that little bit of extra time to hammer home because people otherwise are just going to, okay, okay, on to the next thing. And they don't realize that you just fucking answered them, you know? (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So. I would say that, you know, in those discussions, in really any format that I've seen, if you're having a talk with somebody and, you know, you sufficiently respond and they want to change the topic, call it out. You don't need to be mean. Don't say, oh, you're changing the topic. Say, oh, well, it sounds like you want to talk about something else. I just want to make sure that we're done talking about this. I answered you. Did that suffice? Was that answer enough to convince you that you were wrong about this one thing? You know, like, make it super clear because that forces them to stop for just a second and recognize that they have to think about that for a little bit. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah, it definitely makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks guys. Um, I'll get off the line now. Um, love what you do, keep it up and I'll keep tuning in.
1: Thank you so much, Chris. And congratulations on that degree.
2: Yeah, congrats. Thank you. Right, have a good one. Bye. You
1: too. Oh, my goodness. You say, I, I I don't understand how people say congrats and not congrats.
2: You say a number of words weird.
1: I do. I do. It's, it's probably from the fact that I have lived on every single quadrant of the U.S. at some point in my life.
2: Well, you, you said you were doing a collab, which is the way I've. Only way I've ever heard it said, but you call it a collab.
1: I just put, I Um, I guess I put syllables on their own. (laughs) Emphasis on their own own syllables. syllables. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Something like that. Uh, Yeah. So there is a lot of uh, open space on our call line right now. So if you would like to give us a call and chat with us about anything, uh, feel free to reach out (laughs) at 585-526-8774.
2: Yeah. We don't want to, we don't want to vamp. Uh, we don't have a lot of callers. Come on, guys. Uh, if, if Now's the time. If you want to call in, you're probably going to get through. Just make sure it's something that's worth talking about, that it's something we can dialogue about.
1: Absolutely. Uh, in the meantime, let's talk with Bree, actually. Bree oh. has a uh, question about essential oils.
2: Oh, no.
1: Yeah, Bree, welcome to the show. Hi. 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 Thanks.
4: As always, I love to give you guys the hard questions that love it. immediately set off a a, a, a storm.
2: <laughs> I am happy to take on essential oils.
4: Yeah, let's All let's right. do it. What do you guys think about essential
0: oils? Good, <laughs> bad? Smells nice. Um, <laughs>
4: I don't know what what all the people claim about them. They make all kinds of weird medical they claims, which really, I'm assuming you guys do not believe in.
1: No, they <laughs> really, really do. And for me, I, they, I think they. I think some of them smell nice. I think that I'm kind of bummed there are like four options, and that's it. Like they kind of like did the four, and then they were like, okay, we're done now. I guess that's just that's just what we're getting. Um, but uh, yeah, the the claims around what uh what they can do in terms of healing like medical issues or you know on the more wooey end even uh you know more supernatural type things or like opening opening your 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 third eye or your chakra or whatever like (laughs) i i don't understand why people need that additional level of incentive to do something like make yourself a nice bath that smells like lavender. Like that's that's reason <laughs> enough to get lavender essential oil. You don't need to believe it's also like, you know, stimulating your root chakra. Well, yeah.
2: <laughs> it's it it's kind of interesting. I feel like it taps into this paranoia that a lot of people have when it comes to medicine. And I don't think that mm-hmm we are doing a good enough job and, and we're constantly working on it. But, um, you know, if you belong to any group that doesn't get listened to by doctors, you know, <laughs> which is most groups, um, yeah. you know, then you find that you need to take your own medical needs into your own hands. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, it creates this kind of specter of, oh my gosh, okay, what if I can't trust my doctor? You know, and so then it moves into you know this space where there's no real, um, you know, body to decide. Okay, you know, this is um, a, a legitimate treatment, and this one is is illegitimate. And I believe oh. that you know um, that whole essential oils thing. That's where it lives. That's where its roots are, and that's why it's so damn dangerous because people will say, oh, you know, I was using the lavender oil Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I didn't realize it, but, uh, you know, um, within a week, my bunions went away or whatever.
1: We're Um, just describing all these random properties to lavender oil. Yeah. (laughs) Well,
2: I, I, I I mean, yeah, Yeah, yeah. you know, or, or people going, Mm -hmm. well, you know, this, uh, this, this extract, um, has antiseptic properties. And so instead of, you know cleaning my wound i'm going to rub essential oils into my wound and then you have people who wind up getting really bad infections people who wind up needing to have you know drastic things done at the hospitals because they've really hurt themselves or in the worst case um you know uh encourage people to not seek medical treatment when they absolutely need to which causes people to die um i'd be really interested yeah. in hearing callers who support this essential oil stuff because i I got to say, you know, not only do we have a, you know, have a set of treatments that many of which we know don't work. Mm-hmm. Others, we don't have enough information to know whether they work. And they're being touted as, you know, sometimes supplements, which is which is better than replacements, but often as replacements to medical care.
1: And also, there are a lot of uh, supplements that actually interact with real medications. Mm-hmm. So it's also very That's dangerous if you're taking, for example, St. John's wort, which is just a plant, and people pitch it as like, oh, it'll help you sleep, or it'll relax you, or whatever. And it actually interacts with birth control and makes it less effective. So like, doesn't help you sleep in the long term. Um, uh-huh. I think, honestly, the biggest takeaway from not just essential oils, but a lot of these kind of healthcare scams Is if people felt like they could go to their doctor and be heard and be taken seriously and not have to pay a butt ton of money, I don't think that they would be making nearly as much headway, right? Like nobody would need to rely on essential oils if they actually had a doctor who listened to them, who knew what was wrong Uh and who could treat them without them going broke so i think eric is exactly right it's a function of our failed healthcare system that this is even a conversation on the large scale but also like i have essential oils because they smell nice and i like them and if you use them for those reasons that's fine there's another side to this which is it happens with with tarot as well where people who are uh who have branded themselves as skeptics will act as if even using these things you know makes you less skeptical or makes you lesser or or makes you like inherently uh you know not as not as intelligent not as clever as they are and that's also yeah. not accurate because it's a lot of it's it's realizing okay this is a tool how am i using it am i attributing to it things that cannot be backed up by evidence okay that's a problem Am I using this to better my life in some objective way that is not making supernatural claims or medical claims or things like that? Then sure, nothing is inherently immoral. Essential oils are not inherently bad. Nothing is inherently bad. It's just how Mm -hmm. you use that thing that then could be helpful or harmful. And so if you hear that somebody in your life is using essential oils, definitely, you know, Figure out what that means because that yeah. could mean a bunch of different things, but don't jump straight into, oh, I can't believe you're one of those wooey people who don't go to the doctor ever, right? <laughs> yeah. Th-
2: th- there was someone yeah. in the chat who said, I use cannabis oil and it works. Yeah. That's... for Well, for what? <laughs> that's what, what does it work for? Because I mean, yeah, if, if, yeah, it, I if, mean, my, if you're oh, saying hard. that, no, it's just gonna say if it treats your anxiety, you know, if uh, it helps you sleep or, or helps you with, um, um, you know, uh, build up an appetite or whatever the case is, I feel like there's really good evidence that, you know, there there have been studies that have pointed in that direction. That sounds really promising. Mm-hmm. If you think that cannabis oil is going to somehow cure some really bad diseases, you know, or um, if you think it's going to help... Like cancer. Like I've cancer. that
4: claim before.
2: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I've also heard people saying that, you know, oh, well, it, it can help with uh, degenerative um, things like Alzheimer's and dementia and I just have not seen evidence that has been convincing to me of that and so just because you say cannabis oil works for what specifically that it, it's just kind of like this blind spot in our brains where you hear it works and you go oh okay I heard that works for what <laughs> do you have the thing because if you don't have the thing it's not my it's not gonna work for the thing like i don't know
1: <laughs> yeah yeah being specific and asking for clarification before you jump to conclusions i think is the the key here Bree, uh thank you for bringing up a topic that was weirdly invigorating and yeah anger inducing <laughs> definitely yeah
4: i just yeah i was i was also gonna say that um i mean uh oh shoot i think i might have lost it uh but just that, um, like I mean, back to the like, it took until I was 30 years old to find a doctor that would listen to me.
1: Yeah.
4: Like, um, and and I know that my partner, he's he's on dialysis. He, you know, he takes like a ton of medications, and he's extremely careful about what he'll take in terms of like uh, supplements, or even just he'll he'll check with his doctor regarding certain foods mm-hmm. sometimes because yeah. he's not sure how it's going to interact with those medications. So, I mean, it's there's a lot of things that people don't really seem to understand about that. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's what I wanted to ask. Uh, v, where do you get your essential oils from? Do you get it from like a store or from like an MLM?
1: No, definitely not an MLM. At least I hope not. I do know that most of them are not things I buy. Uh, there was a period in time where I think people in Tweeted that I liked them. And so people just buy them for me. Like I've gotten oh. little <laughs> kits of essential oils from like five different family members over the course of the last year. or 2 I, I'm I, like, I'll, I'll take them. Like can never have enough, I guess. Okay. But
2: I, I mean, for a while you were kind of that hipster at the coffee shop. I was, who, I was definitely, you know,
1: with, I was more in that hipster vibe for a little bit. Yeah. Had a lot of life coach yeah. friends.
2: Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but uh, yeah, most of the ones I have now are. I I hope that they aren't haven't been bought by an MLM. But... We
2: de- we definitely recognize the major ones, and that, that's
1: not. On yeah, label, no so. DoTERRA is crossing yeah. this this threshold is mm-hmm. is one thing for yeah, sure. a lot
4: of uh, essential oils are mixed up in MLMs. I think that also has a lot to do with some of the insane claims that get made about them. Yeah,
2: absolutely. absolutely. But, if people want to yeah. see more stuff about that, by the way, check out the Antibot. Yeah, um, the Antibot does awesome yeah. videos about mlms it is really worth a watch
1: okay thank you so much Bree. thank you Bree. thanks for taking my call <laughs> bye bye nope don't drop <gasps>
2: oh <laughs> right sorry <laughs> okay well all right that, that 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 i'm sorry about that okay
1: well uh we are going to talk with chris in New Jersey, next, Chris has questions around consciousness, which I think is a harken back to the last couple conversations we've had on this show. Okay, Chris, welcome to the show.
6: Thank you. Happy Sunday.
1: Thank you. Happy Sunday.
2: What did you want to talk about? Or wait, no, V, you brought it up
1: already. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about consciousness. What are your thoughts?
6: I might be a little late here, but uh, I listened to the conversation you guys had. We actually talked once before on your last show about justified true belief. And stuff.
1: Okay. Okay. Perfect. The,
6: in the com- in the conversation you guys had about consciousness, I feel like in some ways you were kind of avoiding. I think what seems to me to be one of the most apparent things about what consciousness is, which is the awareness, uh, the ability to have a subjective experience. Like we t- you touched on it in qualia, mm-hmm. but. But I feel like a lot of more of the focus you guys had was on the processing ability of of sensory information, and I don't really think that 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 serves true to what consciousness really is.
1: Interesting. Okay, so you you would say consciousness is the ability to have a subjective experience. Correct. Okay. Interesting.
6: So when I when when I go ahead, I'm sorry. No, go for it. So, like, when I think about, like, these uh, elusive terms like consciousness or spiritual, I just think of, like, what's the most common denominator? And I think, like, the reason that most people would colloquially agree that plants are not conscious, whereas animals are, whereas machines aren't, even though they can process information, whereas humans are, is that ability, that inner feeling of of uh, having that subjective
1: experience. Uh,
2: okay. Can we... I'm trying to like I'm trying to process that. So what other things fit into that category? Like I can say that my eyeballs give me the ability to see. so would your consciousness give you the ability to like like that? or do you mean like like, like how can we use that to better understand consciousness? because it sounds really good, but I'm trying to put it into action and it sounds like it's carrying this implicit piece that consciousness exists kind of ontologically, like there's an organ attached to consciousness. Um, and I, I, I just want to make sure that we're on the same page or, you know, wh- where are you going?
6: Right. And these are muddy waters and I want to try to avoid like a soul of the gaps here,
4: mm-hmm.
6: which, <laughs> right. <laughs> like right. Which it, it leaves room for if we're being honest, but you know, it's like, that's not a easy. That's not an explanation but i also think they're kind of like two different questions which is one is how is consciousness formed which could come about through you know uh, a very um, intricate processing ability who knows that eventually like that'll unlock the conscious state and what consciousness is so what i'm referring to right now and what i said is what consciousness really is which is the ability to have that subjective experience
2: okay so is an unconscious person conscious by that definition? Because they can, they're just not currently.
6: I think that uh, the term conscious is misused there when it should be like wakeful. So like we call it conscious and unconscious. I think that's just the wrong term to use.
1: I agree with that. And I think that was part of the conversation we had, where we're trying to parse unconscious versus not conscious. And I think, I think using conscious as like awake or not awake, is we risk running into the um, equivocation fallacy there because we're talking about two different things that happen to have the same word. And they're, they're connected, but one means are you awake and aware of your surroundings that we're not, and the other is the concept of the capability of being awake and aware of your surroundings. Well,
2: I don't know. I don't know because I, I would think of that more as you know like like you have this internal narrative that is just continuing to go you have this story about yourself that you're continuing to tell about yourself you wake up you go okay i woke up you know i took a shower i ate breakfast i went and had my day and then i fell asleep right That that is a continuous story that you're telling about yourself and i think that when you're not conscious you're not telling that story to yourself about yourself and you know you you, you have a lapse right and so when you pick back up and you start that story again, you know, I, I would think of that as consciousness, right? Th- that That is that experience of receiving that sense data. And so I'm not trying to necessarily conflate those terms, but to me, I think that they actually work well together. That if I wanna know whether or not someone is conscious, I need to understand that if something is capable of consciousness uh, versus being not conscious, you know, it, it, it's, it's a really beneficial, place to go. I, I I just, I don't know, I, I don't think I'm conflating or uh, two separate things like that. I think that they're, I think they go hand in hand. I could be wrong, but.
1: I, I feel like the, the, the fear that I have around that is we tend to then get into this conversation, which is a semantic one, a pragmatics one, around how we're using this word and if it's equivocation or not, versus moving into the deeper conversation, which is, do we have subjective experience? Is there a way to prove that we have subjective experience? And if there is not a way to prove that we have subjective experience, is this a worthwhile conversation if we also hold other things to that standard as well? No. Okay.
2: Chris, just so you know, do you see what you started? Do you see what we did? This is your (laughs) fault, Chris. Um, no, because I should feel I like you. Should proud mo-
1: or or ashamed? No, you should be proud. Definitely <laughs> proud. Anybody who um, can get us to argue should be proud of. Yeah,
2: it. I, I disagree because you've now moved the conversation into qualia. We can talk about qualia.
1: Well, that's what that's what Chris. I think he said we we touched but, on qualia. Yeah, but uh,
2: but I but, think
6: qualia takes it a step further.
2: Yeah, I I think I qualia. Go ahead. Sorry.
6: Okay.
2: Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm talking with you. No, I know. I
6: don't want to get lost in qualia either because qualia speaks more to, and I agreed with V's uh, description a unique individual subjective experience, which is saying everyone's unique individual subjective experience is qualia. Whereas I'm saying that consciousness is simply the ability. I'm sorry, I know I was misstated.
1: No, you're good. But,
6: and uh, where I'm saying consciousness is just simply the ability to have a subjective experience.
1: Okay, and so, okay, not, got it. Go ahead. Got it. No, I, I see where you're coming from. So consciousness is the ability to experience a thing. It's, it's a descriptor of that ability, not the experience itself. Correct. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, my question, though, is we can say, OK, we have consciousness and we are we are defining this as the ability to have a subjective experience. OK, that I, I will want to run with that. But then we get into the conversation of, OK, well, we have a, a soul and a soul is the ability to have a subjective experience. So now we have two things, and both are hinged on the ability to have a subjective experience, something that I cannot prove that I have to you sufficiently, right? You can take it on you know, common sense and, and faith, for lack of a better term, that the people around you are experiencing subjective experience, um, but there's no real way to prove that. And so my only concern here is that it leaves the door open to other claims that cannot be substantiated or falsified if we don't add other things onto it, like processing, like the, the, the requirement of a nervous system or a neural network of some kind. So like, I, I agree with you, but I don't think I would say that's all it is because we could easily then just swap consciousness out for any other word and be equally as provable. Does that make sense?
6: That is very. I think that's very fair, and that's also an area I want to avoid because <clears throat> claiming soul a- as the reason is just an unjustified claim, right? Right. Exactly. But at the same time, but at the same time, I also feel that in our current understanding of science, we can't really justifiably add much to that definition that's
5: truthfully.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's why this conversation is so much fun, because there isn't a, a, a definitive decision made yet scientifically about all of this. And so we are still in that kind of soul of the gaps area where we're trying to come up with uh, the best way to describe this thing, especially if it ties into ethical questions like how do we treat things that are inhuman? How do we treat computers and AI and all of this? We can't just assume that consciousness is something only humans have. And so we want to make sure we're able to define it sufficiently that we can kind of base decisions on that moving forward. But yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting conversation. I, I could go on about this all day.
6: I, I think the, the conversation around computers has been also been taken the wrong way. Because oftentimes we talk about artificial intelligence and machine learning
1: mm-hmm.
6: in a way where we we make it synonymous with artificial consciousness, which I think is a whole different conversation. It, it,
2: well, be- maybe it totally depends on what you're talking about consciousness. Because right. if we're disagreeing on consciousness, then it could be depending on what you're calling it. Like if, if, if you're talking about, you know, like what I was saying with having a, a narrative, um, I... Personally, I don't think that I'm so unique and special that a computer could not become conscious. I, I I just, I'm not necessarily convinced that it's happened yet, but I don't see why I would categorically place that as something that's incapable of consciousness.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this I, is definitely I'll... a larger conversation and I do want to move on, Chris, but thank you for watching the show. Thank you for calling yeah. in. And if you have further thoughts, I would love to continue this conversation next week.
6: Absolutely. Thank, Thank you
1: for cool.
2: taking my call. Thank, Thank you. you, Chris. Have a good. You too.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I can play devil's advocate across the board with that conversation because I don't have like a clear opinion of it myself I, yet.
2: I I feel like you slide right into qualia though every time. I like I, I I feel like we settle if we agree on the consciousness thing, then we can settle on it and then talk about qualia. But when it gets quality gets dragged into consciousness like that, then we need to unpack consciousness again, it feels like.
1: Well, it feels like uh, what, what Chris was bringing to the table, the ability to have a subjective experience is the ability to have what I would assume, and this might be my error, is qualia, because the other option is that it is not a unique Subjective experience, and we are all experiencing the same things, in which case that feels weirder to me and less intuitive. Not saying it's wrong, but if we can agree that subjective experience is a component of consciousness, a, a crucial component, then there are really feel to me only two options. Either that subjective experience is actually truly subjective and unique to the individual, which would be qualia, or it's not unique to the individual, in which case we enter this kind of panpsychism.
2: I, 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 I disagree because I think you're using that in 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 a weird way. You know, if, if we're talking about driving a car, the experience of driving is part of driving a car. And then we're taking that experience and going, well, then it's just as important as the wheels and the, you know, the, uh, the engine and the doors and the hood and the, and, and the boot and, and, and the headlights. And so we need to include that when we're talking about a car, the, the experience of driving it. No, I, I, like you can drive a car, yes, but if you're listing out the parts of a car, you're not going to list that out in the same way. And I feel like we treat qualia as an experience that is treated as a thing. It goes in the list of car parts instead of in a, this is what happens when you have a car. You know what I mean? So when you're talking about existence that way, you're treating it as a, 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 as, as, as a, almost as a noun instead of a verb. Sorry,
1: existence?
2: Sorry, consciousness (laughs) or qualia. You're treating it as kind of a noun instead of a verb. And that's what's bugging me. Maybe adverb, maybe I'm not using that correctly. Well, we can
1: qualia about this later, I guess. We can. Um, (laughs) All right. Uh, (laughs) Let's talk with Bob in Utah. I'm really excited about this call, Bob, because I have only recently been diving into this and I agree with you and I think we're on the same page here, Um, but I'm really excited to hear what you have to bring to the table. Uh, Bob is talking about Ah, uh, the first cause arguments for God, Ooh. and how presentism—the a theory of time—I believe—is kind of p- presumed to be a thing in these, and it's not actually borne out in the science. So,
2: okay, um, I I have so much that yeah. I need to learn on this.
1: Uh, go 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 on, go for it.
7: <laughs> Hi, uh v, Eric. Thanks for having me on the call. Hey, Bob. Uh, so, uh, my 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 first thing was that I wanted to talk about how. Well, I already talked about that. you already introduced the topic. So, uh, the idea that presentism is presupposed seems very crucial. And, and if you want to, do, do, do you want to talk about like what presentism is, Please. or, or how, how do we want? To... Yeah. So, this there's this idea that that the present, the, the what we're experiencing right now, is somehow ontologically privileged uh, in 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 time, and that uh, the, this idea that time is sort of Progressing forward, and that every m- moment that we experience is the present, uh, rather than time being sort of this this just this thing that exists. Uh, and 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 I, and I see uh, people arguing for first cause type arguments using this presupposition that the first the the the, the beginning of time is somehow a privileged uh, uh, imp- implies sort of a privileged idea of time uh, that, uh, and the present. And, and it just, nobody talks about it.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. So what alternatives are there?
7: Well, the alternative would be eternalism or there's some other, uh, ideas called like the growing block. but the, 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 the eternalism is, is, is the main one that I, that I would kind of, I think is, is philosophically
2: interesting. Okay. So, uh, so and that is, if, sorry. if, if I believe that we are experiencing the present moment, um yep. and that it is moving forwards so or moving forward in time um yep. is that nullified by eternalism
7: well so our perception of time is largely due to the fact that our brains and our our bodies are are, are embedded in the universe and when you think of of time as just kind of another dimension you, you instead think of the universe as as a shape, and 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 time is just one dimension of that shape. Anyway, that's that's not. I, I could go off on a whole tangent on that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I I want to I want to maybe break this down just a little bit more, Bob. I think you did a good job there. Um. And oh, sorry. Forgive me if I'm not quite getting that. This is still something that is relatively new for me as well, but it's exciting. So essentially, the two primary options here are A theory of time which is presentism and B theory of time which is closer to the concept of eternalism and actually f- is more borne out I believe the uh, the uh, theory of relativity actually leans towards the B theory of time and te- tends to throw some, some, some question marks up there if we're trying to get to the A, A theory of time, is that correct?
7: It, it absolutely does, and, yeah. and, and and honestly, it's actually borne out in in pretty much all of our physics because um, a, a lot of our physics uh, uh, representations, all of our physics representations, have this property of of time reversibility, or at least as far as I understand, that's the case. And the the the, the time reversibility basically just means that given uh, the, the the physics works forwards and backwards uh there's no privileged uh, uh, reference frame that we can find in the physics for really? time. Um like 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 t- time is just it's just another dimension and the relationship between between points in space-time is represented in the laws of physics as we understand them. So I um,
2: I, I I I gotta push back because I'm so confused. My understanding of time isn't that it's a dimension, it's that it is intrinsically you know on the same um it's on it, it's it's intrinsically tied to um energy and matter and i wouldn't say that matter is a dimension i don't wouldn't say that energy is a dimension but i would say that those things are related to each other when you adjust one you you are necessarily adjusting another and i understand well, that intellectually i could you know, run calculations and, and, and move things backwards. But just because I can run a calculation hypothetically does not mean that that hypothetical is borne out in reality. It just means that you're able to run the hypothetical. And so when you talk about time going backwards, it's, it's, it's almost like, for me, if, if somebody said, Eric, you're experiencing the color blue, we can shift it, right, and the light is moving, you know, the photons are bouncing off of whatever you're looking at and are hitting your eye. And we can talk about that, and that's all kind of a progression in one direction. And But if we talked about the light, you know, going backwards, it's like I understand that hypothetically we can talk about these things, but that's not necessarily how I think that works, to my understanding.
1: Yeah, I I, I do want to reel this in a little bit because I think that this is a fundamental misunderstanding of the the, the conversation. Well, okay. um, the the point that I want to make sure that Bob gets to and that I'm excited about is the concept of the present as a fixed period of time as opposed to the past which is a fixed period of time and the future which is a fixed period of time is the a theory of time there it chunks it into sections and we are experiencing the present and how long the present is actually varies quite a bit depending on the apologist you're talking to in the scenario in which they're trying to explain things but that is that concept, whereas the B theory of time is more of a fluid state where everything is essentially happening at once and we are experiencing what we call the present, but that's not linear or at least not in the same way. And so that actually is borne out in things like the theory of relativity. It looks more like we might be experiencing B theory of time as opposed to A theory. And people like William Lane Craig, have explicitly said that their versions of first cause arguments like the Kalam is inherently tied to a theory of time. They have fully verbally bought into this theory. And as we're doing more and more research into physics, into science, we're realizing that a theory of time is not a given. Like it's almost like it's it's not only not a given, it's tentative at best. And so I think Bob, I don't wanna take, I don't wanna steal your thunder, but is is that that about right?
7: (laughs) That's about right, and I wanna make it clear that I'm not uh, saying that I take a a position that eternalism or or presentism is is, is correct uh, or or incorrect. I'm I'm taking the position that that, that these arguments uh, are, are presupposing presentism, and I don't think that our current understanding justifies that, and I would say that it leans towards uh, eternalism, mm-hmm. given what you described about about the, our understanding of relativity.
1: Right. So you're saying that there would be a lot of beneficial conversations had if instead of arguing about whether or not the universe began to exist, for example, or what caused the beginning of the universe, which are the traditional methods to go down when talking about the Kalam, uh, yep. Talk about, hey, did you know that William Lane Craig directly tied his version of the Kalam, which is the standard one used by apologists now, to a theory of time that is not a given and is in fact uh, on like shaky ground at best, and then bring it into that realm, a more scientific discussion as opposed to keeping it in that philosophical realm?
7: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I th- I think that those discussions are important to have, and I think that they could give rise to some very interesting uh, interaction.
1: I am so excited for for the next person who wants to argue about first cause to call into this show because this has been something I've been sitting on for so long. I've been this has been the smoking gun in my pocket. Really, and I am so excited to have this conversation with somebody who thinks that they can defend the a theory of time. Um, if you are interested in learning more about this, Paula did an episode on this and it laid it out really nicely. I'll make sure it's linked in the description uh, of this video. I know that this got a little bit heady, <laughs> um, but Bob, thank <laughs> you for calling in. That made my day, honestly.
7: Well, it's been wonderful talking with you. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, you, you too. Bob. Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's a it's a it's a it's a mind trip for sure. And I don't know very much more about it than what I've explained here, but it's fascinating.
2: So I'm not behind it, not yet. So I, I, I asked, I, I brought up where I'm having, where I had an issue, um, and I think I just need to learn more because at this point in time, if I were to say, well, what about how have you dis, how, how have you excluded the B theory of time, and they were to say, well, where's the problem? I'd be like, I don't effing know. <laughs> um, so I would, I would definitely be out of my depth if I were to take that position without knowing and understanding and accepting more. Um, mm-hmm. uh, because right now I just do not have that info. Like I have so many questions about causality, um, <laughs> you know, but like, Yeah, just the the way that those things were phrased were being treated in ways that I'm not used to things being phrased, and Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I'm also not willing to grant that maybe the phrasing is causing something to be tangentially true and being taken as, you know, more than... Anyway, Anyway, I'm I'm getting way off base, but I want to learn more about it. If uh, you guys in the chat uh, have more information or have something that's uh, not, you know, huge, um, like, you know, may, maybe a mini doc or something that I can read, send it to skepticgeneration at gmail.com because I would love to read it.
1: <laughs> yeah. And honestly, like, first of all, be patient with Eric. Eric just had his entire concept of time questioned. So that's enough to make anybody feel weird. It is. It <laughs> but is. also I love the fact that you're like, hey, I've been part of this conversation. I'm not convinced yet. I'm not going to say that you're wrong or that it's not accurate. But before I come to a conclusion, I'm going to go look into this myself. Yeah, absolutely. Which is a, d- all that we want to do here.
2: And and for people who are wondering, I'm not angry when I get this way. It's because I'm excited about the topic and I want to push more. Um, but I know it can come off that way. Anyway.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, Shannon Q is in the chat, by the way. Hey, Shannon. Welcome, Shannon. Nice to see you. Um, all right. So Eric, you called out the chat. Uh, for having a, uh, co- a conversation around cannabis oil. And you are oh, like, no. good for what? What does it work for? And it looks like Joanne uh, is calling in about what it's good for.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: So I'm gonna let you take this one.
2: Okay, Joanne in Florida, <laughs> thank you for calling in.
1: Uh,
8: thank you for taking my call.
2: Okay, so um, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs>
8: Well, first of all, am I allowed to be on this show? I'm not in your generation. I'm an older person.
1: Hey, Joanne, anybody who wants to be on this show is automatically part of the skeptic generation.
2: Yeah, it's um, it, it, okay. it, it's it's not an age thing. It's more of okay. um, a, It's a, not
1: a person. It's an idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. It's, it's,
2: it's a state of mind. It's yeah. a state of mind. I feel like I've labeled plenty of people who have a specific state of mind similarly. So you're good.
8: <laughs> okay so um i just wanted to say um the guy said um uh cannabis said something about cannabis oil and i'm mm-hmm. not sure what he was talking about there there's something called cannabinoid <laughs> i mm-hmm. look up to pronounce it c-a-n-n-a-b-i-n-o-i-d mm-hmm. and that's uh
2: t-h um tetrahydrocannabinoid oil
8: and huh?
2: oh sorry I, I thought you were talking about something okay go ahead okay.
8: um it is CBD oil, mm-hmm. and it doesn't get you high. It is really great for calming anxiety. It, it is great. And I think some people use it for pain as well. Um, I don't have any uh, physical pain, so <sighs> I don't need that. But uh, the, for anxiety, it works great. Mm-hmm.
2: I, so I, I, I think we're going to be fine there. My, my, my contention isn't that. My, I, I, I'm coming up against people who have made really, oh, really I, radical medical claims about about cannabis. Um, I
8: understand. I you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like I I'm not saying that it's useless. I'm you know, there are uses I know. but but w- w- when we kind of say that, you know, well it's useful in this specific case, some people just hear, well, it works and so they maybe put it in places where it doesn't belong. Um mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead.
8: Yeah, I understand. I don't uh, subscribe to any. Um, I, I'm really skeptical about all kinds of um, food fads and drug, good, you know, fads <laughs> and and that sort of thing. But um, I have tried this and it does work. And there's, uh, you know, so many people have anxiety now. I just, you know, I think it's helpful. So
1: absolutely, I, I, I do too. I actually, when I lived in Portland, I did a lot of uh, uh, CBD specifically. Um, I would go and get CBD honey from a local uh, farmer's market. And at the time I was unmedicated for any kind of mental health issue. I couldn't get medication, I couldn't afford it. And so it really was very useful for me. Um, So yeah, there are definitely untapped opportunities around cannabis specifically, just because the way it's regulated prohibits experimentation and research so I am sure that the more we dive into this as soon as, as it's being uh, legalized across the board we're going to start finding some really interesting things um, but I'm glad you found something that works for your anxiety I've been there and it's really really good to have something to help with: Yeah
8: yes, I have found it so and um, well as long as I'm recommending stuff I'm going to recommend the keto diet that was something else I was skeptical. Skeptical about, and it uh, helped me a lot. It's more, well, it's more for older people, though. I think that when yeah. your digestion starts breaking down, you know.
2: Well, so so, so uh, actually, that's the point. It, actually, it's not an older person thing. My younger brothers are all on keto. Um, um, I I am very worried. It looks really, really wonky. Um, the things that they have eaten gross <laughs> me out <laughs> to no end, and oh well. I, I'm I I need a lot more evidence to show me that what they have done to their bodies is healthy because it's real gross. It's real gross. Oh well, I'm not. They made. I'm
8: not an extremist.
2: Joanne, they made their version of nachos needs to replace the tortilla chips, and so they use pork rinds. No. No. <laughs> no. That's, that's how, that's how, no, out. that's out. No Yeah, so again, I, I've just got to see a lot more info cuz that was one of the grossest things I've ever seen. Well,
1: jo- thank you for calling oh. in Joanne. We appreciate you, Joanne. your call. no problem. <laughs> okay, thank you. Bye-bye. bye. <laughs>
2: oh. oh, it's so nasty. That like they have versions well, of things yeah, that just should keto not exist
1: specifically is very concerning. Um But honestly, the thing is, I feel like there's a lot of moralizing around diets and and, and things like that on both sides, where on the one hand, it's like, oh, if you're not doing this, then you're not taking care of your body. And on the other side, there's like, if you do intermittent fasting, then that's essentially an eating disorder and you shouldn't do that either. And I'm like, well, maybe... It's, it's good for some people to do certain things and it works with their body. You just need to make sure you're getting that checked and, and working with professionals. Well,
2: I, I feel like it helps to eliminate um, false, attribution, false attribution of causation. So if someone is, you know, on keto and it's really, really good for them, what part of what they were doing is good? Exactly, because, exactly. Like, uh, like Jordan
1: Peterson's carnivore diet. Yeah. Like he probably had something like a gluten allergy that was making him feel awful after eating, and so yeah, technically the carnivore diet eliminated gluten, so he feels better. Yeah. But he could have just eliminated gluten and eaten everything else and been healthier for it.
2: Yeah, I can only imagine the worst case of gout on on, oh, on the planet. Oh, um, scurvy but,
1: too. Just like.
2: yeah. Oh gosh, but it, it it kills me because that that whole um, anyway. Yeah, I. I I said my piece. I could go on about it. I don't think it's dirty keto. I think it's technically keto. And <laughs> if it's technically keto, then maybe the things that they're attributing to being healthy aren't the things, but there could be things that they're doing as part of that that right. do have the health benefits. And so-
1: You just got to make sure I'm, you're taking uh, the good stuff and leaving the rest behind.
2: Yeah. And so I'm kind, of, I'm kind of grateful for the technically keto because it pushes people to find where the causes of those beneficial things are and how to Pull that out from the crap.
1: Um, If that's if that's the approach, then yeah, I think that there's also just
2: my brothers. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) my brothers do watch the show. I love you guys. (laughs) I just it was gross. It was gross, and you you should feel ashamed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's talk with Wolfos in Texas.
2: Hey, there's a return caller.
1: Yeah, Wolfos, welcome back to the show.
9: Hey guys, thanks for taking my call.
1: Hey, yeah. You have an interesting topic here, the main character complex. Tell us a little bit about that.
9: Well, I I just started reading about it, and it's pretty interesting that we're all kind of our own protagonists in our own stories. Kind of relates back to self-awareness mostly, but it just feels like most religion seems to be taking the not main character complex and putting their main character as their is their worship or what they're looking into is hmm. they're more of the NPC trying to get you to follow the main character.
2: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: I like that description. That's really funny. Um, so is the main character complex, I haven't heard this before, but it sounds, it sounds interesting. Is this a, a social theory? Is this a psychological theory? Where are you, where are you reading about this?
9: I, I was just looking into some, a little bit of psychology before I actually was calling in. I was looking it up and it just kind of popped up and I read just a little bit and I wondered if you guys had read anything about it or it's more it feels like it's a psychology or just a new way to look at how you're looking at the world.
1: Yeah very interesting I mean it is that that trippy moment of realizing that your view of the world and your view of yourself is that you are the main character, but everyone else around you also thinks they're the main character. So there is no main character. Like it, it it's interesting yeah. because clearly this predates the act of storytelling, right? Like we we experienced this complex this this viewpoint before we thought to tell stories, and so stories having a lead character is not so much something that is impacting our worldview, but probably rather the other way around, that the way we tell stories as a main character dealing with something is a function of that, <coughs> that worldview. So that's, uh, I'm going to have to think more about that. I would be very curious to see if there are other cultures that tell stories differently, or if there are cultures that emphasize that main character complex more than others. Um, like, for example, there are, there are cultures where they don't use right left they use east west they, they use the cardinal mm-hmm. directions instead of saying something is to my right because that centers the person but the way that they describe things they are in a world and it's not the world around them and i feel like that probably would play very much into the concept of being the main character being the protagonist
9: yeah that, that makes a lot of sense
1: yeah. huh
9: see and i just think i think more people should take into consideration that they are their own main character, but so is everybody else.
5: Mm -hmm.
9: And it it kind of plays into my worldview of empathy over anything else, essentially.
2: Where I kind of take it is that, um, I don't know, the, the, the fact that none of us are special is one of the biggest things that alleviates my depression. Um, just just knowing Absolutely. that everybody else sees themselves as the main character takes a hell of a lot of pressure off of me, you know. When when you uh, see yourself as yeah. as as less than, you know, this the, the the hero of the story, um, I don't know. It, it's it's. I feel like it's better for society. So I I don't necessarily think that the religious take on it that you know making God the main character and yourself an NPC. Is necessarily better or worse? It's just, I don't know, I don't know because I'm not a religious person. I also don't think of myself as the main character, at least when I'm, you know, aware of it. That's fair. But
9: when I'm in, I'm in customer service, so I try to be. I, I'm overly happy all the time. I'm trying to be that NPC in the other person's world that they're in. I'm trying to be that positive NBC that you can run into, uh-huh. yeah. have a positive experience with. And that's just a good mindset to be in when you're in customer services. You're definitely not the main character when you stand behind that <laughs> counter.
1: Oh my gosh, that's really funny. I can put myself right in that position. I've done so many different customer service jobs and that is exactly how that feels. <laughs> it's like same thing every time. Hello, welcome, can I help you with something? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. The one interesting thing though, now that I'm kind of framing it in this way, back when I was a Christian, I struggled a lot because I didn't feel like the main character in my story. And that was really hard for me. Um, and it really took a lot of internal work and and self-actualization after getting out. Um, to actually get me to a place where I felt like the main character and felt that autonomy because every single book I read, every single movie, I would always identify with the, the quirky side character, right? Like, oh, they're the BFF. They're the, the, the funny, the, the comic relief. Like, that's me. I'm not the main character. And it took me a really long time. And I never tied that to that concept of giving God that place of main character and assuming, oh, I just have like a non-player role. But that's that's going to be something that's rattling around in my brain a little bit from uh, for the rest of the day, Wolf. I, I
2: yeah, I, I'm
9: glad I give you something to think about.
1: Sam, I'm going to
2: want to chew on that with you because how much does internalizing the concept of you know um, humility kind of factor into that?
1: And is humility even useful?
2: Oh, we need to debate that, please. We
1: do. We okay. Do. All right, Wolfos. Well, um, the <laughs> yeah. the the
2: the fact that you have that you have consistently brought good topics, things that we can chew on, that we can engage with, and that we can include the audience in on is fantastic. Thank you for doing that.
9: Absolutely, thank you guys for doing this.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for calling right. in, Wolfos. Glad folks. we had
9: this conversation, guys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Stealing our
1: tagline, huh? Okay.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm All <gonna. laughs> All right. Oh sweet
1: that was really that was really fun. i i I know this wasn't the most, like aggressive episode. Um, and last week, we had a lot more theist callers who were, you know, pressing our buttons and
2: and and we had a few while we were in, like in in conversations. And then by the time we finished the call, they dropped. For the person who called in and wanted to talk about the teleporter problem, the fact that you dropped breaks my heart. And I I hope that you're okay. And maybe you just went through a tunnel. If that's the case, don't drive while you're calling. But like, please call back in. (laughs) I want an excuse to have those conversations. They're like, yeah, anyway.
1: All right. So I think we're going to wrap up a little bit early. um, But let's run through super chats and then jump over to an after show on Discord. I think I
2: would really like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Let's chat it up on Discord. Um, But first, let's read through these. Yeah. Eric, you want to go first? Sure.
2: So, um. Topcat sent $7.37, uh, but with no comment, Topcat, thank
1: you. Thank you, Topcat. Lucas Black sent five bucks and says, your merch store needs your mug, and well, by the way, and your mugs. You two are the reason people keep showing up. That should be in the merch. Aww. <laughs> thank you. Uh, this is not, So several people have thought this is a, a, a Skeptic Generation mug. It's just a very large mug. I am looking high and low for somebody who will be able to help us make ginormous SG mugs, because I would love that to be a thing.
2: That would be really, really
1: neat. So if you make mugs and are willing to collaborate, get in touch, I guess. Yeah.
2: Uh, Amit Matthew sent 10 bucks and says, Have you heard of Project Blitz? How can we on the secular skeptic side find out if it is or isn't a conspiracy theory? Yes. Ooh, we need to dedicate some time to that. Project Blitz is something that... Um, deserves a lot more attention than i think we have the ability to to give it given our platform and the time
1: well here's here's the deal amit um project blitz is real and you can figure out whether or not it's a conspiracy theory by reading the documents that were written by the people who started project blitz explicitly Laying out exactly how the different laws would impact the various areas of social life that they disagreed with And for those of you who don't know what Project Blitz is, I highly encourage you to check out Allison Gill at the um, American Atheists uh, She has been doing some amazing work here. She talked at it, about it at um, AACON in 2019 mm-hmm. Essentially, there is a coalition of religious uh, Republican uh, Leaders who are uh, actively and have been for the last couple of years pushing bills to escalate into uh, essentially Christian supremacy uh, legally. Um, and it's documented. It is. I'm going to see if I can find it for you and maybe link that in the, the description as well if I can find that. But definitely not a conspiracy theory, unfortunately.
2: Yeah. Baffle Guy sent uh, two bucks and says, what about dreams? Are dreams still subjective experience? You know i think that dreams do not fit neatly into a a narrative um you know where in the same way that you wake up in the morning and you you know certain events happen um yes you can remember your dreams um and they are your dreams so i would say that's an experience um but that's not necessarily i, I don't know i think i need to work on that more
1: can you get wolfhouse off after- the
2: Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. <laughs> yes.
1: Um, yeah, I think that honestly, Eric, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it. I think the narrative approach to consciousness is not a useful one. To identity, maybe. To the concept of, of self, sure. But consciousness, I don't think that it, it works well. Hmm. And I think that dreams is one, one area that it doesn't work very well.
2: Okay, we're going to have to talk about it, yeah.
1: And then Moldred gave us five bucks. Thank you. And says, don't underestimate the power of the placebo effect for people who want to get better. Yes and no. Uh, Yes, as in there is such a thing as a placebo effect and it can be useful for some things. But also, I really would hesitate saying anything that even comes close to placebo effects work if you want to get better because that then puts the emphasis on the person and whether or not they actually want to. And that feels like faith healing all over again.
2: Yeah, it, th- th- there's a very specific kind of subcategory that can include things like sleep, anxiety, and pain management where placebos can be very beneficial. But do you really want to advocate lying to somebody about what they're taking? Or I, I don't know. Uh, 60 Second Skeptic sent 10 Canadians says, very important question. What's the worst movie you've ever watched, not counting Pure Flick stuff?
1: Star Crash. Star Crash. 100%. In fact, I'm 90% sure that I may be going on God Awful Movies with Johnny Angel, who I watched it with initially. <laughs> and we're, we might be reviewing that movie because it is so bad. It was amazing. Christopher Plummer plays the Emperor of the Universe. And he phones it in because he really only wanted a trip to Italy. And so this was his excuse to go to Italy. And you can tell it's amazing. (laughs) I,
2: (laughs) I really don't know. I really don't know if it gets bad enough, it kind of wraps around to being good again. Um, You know, movies like the room um, it's so bad. It becomes a cult classic. Um, so I, I, I guess I have to shoot for just a generally mediocre movie, but I forget them immediately because they're generally <laughs> mediocre. I don't know. I feel like I'm putting too much emphasis on this, but I, I, don't, I can't think of one right now. I will, I will do my best to get back. I, 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 I genuinely don't know. Anyway, oh sorry. Gosh.
1: That's a good question. That's a good <laughs> question. All right, you guys. Um, thank you so much for joining. If you are interested in chatting with us a little bit more informally, go check out our Discord. Um, that's tiny.cc/sgdiscord. Make sure the S and the G are capitalized. You can find us there. We'll be hanging out for a little bit. Um, also,
2: just so you know, people who are you know for all of these um, these super chats. They are going to our annual goal. Uh, we are hoping this year to get an editing computer and hopefully be able to hire an editor so that we don't have to try and do all of this backend work while hosting at the same time. Uh, we sincerely appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, Eric. Um, until next time. We're, we're glad, glad we, we had, had this stuff. talk.
2: Oh, there's the outro.